Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Borussia Dortmund have won the European Cup winners' cup. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Hey, BVB-Fans, welcome back to Believe in Borussia, episode number 36, coming to you right now. Bundesliga soccer is back, and not only that, it is back as it's been pre-pandemic, so I'm sure you're all very excited about that and about the game tomorrow. The top game of this Bundesliga match day with Borussia Dortmund playing Leipzig at home, and of course, there was quite a few things happening around the world for World Cup qualifiers and player talk and chatter and all that kind of things. So we will dip into that, talk about Leipzig. And before we do that, we just want to remind you that if you want to get in on the action on the March Madness, if your bracket hasn't been busted, which is pretty unlikely, shout out to the Peacocks. But if it hasn't, or if you just want to get in on the national championship game, or Bundesliga, Champions League, what have you, then head over to Bet Online um, on your desktop or on your mobile device. Sign up today. You can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And you just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get started. And Bet Online remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with the player props, new contests throughout the year so on and so forth whatever sport whatever competition you can wager on you will find it there so bet online where the game starts first things first the best news of this match day is that borussia dortmund will welcome a at capacity crowd a full westfalen stadium for the first time in over 700 days 763 days to be precise more than two years it has been since the yellow wall and the westfalen stadium our home stadium has been filled to the brim with black and yellow faithfuls and of course that will mean that the ultras will be coming back and um in a high stake game with such a yeah i don't want to say rival but with um controversial opponent let's put it like this i'm sure there will be a great atmosphere tomorrow i'm sure the players are looking forward i am sure the fans are looking forward to it i would be if i could go it's been a vital part of the club that has been missing of the club dna really and um it doesn't necessarily show maybe in the results as the home record in the Bundesliga is quite okay on the other hand that UEFA Cup or Europa League uh, defeat to Rangers um, was probably not great even though if I recall that atmosphere was actually not bad it was just a very deflated team effort but let's not dwell on the past let's focus on the future and uh, appreciate the fact that there will be a capacity crowd again at the Signali Duna Park at the Westfalenstadion in Dortmund and 
we all hope that after such a long time, the players will be motivated. They will be hyped. I really need to see them hyped and come out with knife between their teeth figuratively and take it to Leipzig from the first seconds of the game. Really, really jump on them. Make it clear who is boss in Dortmund and take and keep the three points at home, of course. That would be something nice and um, yeah, very deserving to our fans who have also suffered like many people around the world, obviously during the pandemic. Um, but in particular, when it comes to the game and enjoying the game within their community, it's just not the same. And it probably will take a moment for things to come back to the way they were. And well, like in all the other aspects of our lives, most likely they will not go back 100% to the way they were. Um, some people might not be returning to the stadium for one or other reasons or be in different sections. And um, yeah, new groups will f found themselves, um, new people um, you refer to, you have to understand or, you know, just picture that with uh, 50,000 season ticket holders, there's obviously a very large group of people that go there regularly and establish certain habits, um, you know, when it comes to just also interacting with um, staff on the ground, um, in the grounds, I mean, um, ushers and such, but also fans within your sections and so on and so forth. And that obviously has been disrupted. And I think there are still many fans that are skeptical about the game and the club and the whole experience of live events in a mess sort of like surrounding. And, and let's be honest, um, the soccer community as a whole, or the clubs, I should say, professional soccer, and including Borussia Dortmund, hasn't necessarily always fared super smartly during the pandemic, hasn't shown the highest levels of humility there, um, at least from my perspective. I think there's a lot of things that um, were broken. Um, and maybe just because people realized, you know, what was I doing? you know devoting so much time to this like i've i've all this new free time that i um started doing other things or you know doing things for my family or for myself or so on and so forth am i willing to give this back again to the club and i'm not talking about just you know every two weeks um going through the stadium for many people it involves a lot more time, the planning process, meeting up in fan clubs, maybe also um, preparing TIFO, things like that. Um, going to away games, planning vacation around the team. Where do they go into training camp? Can I get off work during that time? What about my family? Can I plan this around? So there goes lots of planning into, you know, ensuring that you can... Um, partake in 17 home games or like 20 home games with Champions League or probably like even more 2025 20, plus some away games and so on and so forth and I think many fans at least for a time being probably wondered and asked themselves like is it really worth it is what I'm getting out of this um worth of what I'm putting into it are these players are these people that represent this team 
really deserving of my adoration. And to be fair, I cannot answer this with an unequivocal yes. Because you look at these um, players and you look at these performances and we've been griping so much about it um, the last couple of weeks and even months and years, to be fair, um, about the team not fulfilling its potential, not living up to the talent that's in the squad, but then also the all the transfer squirrels and all that stuff where you're thinking, if you're not even here 100%, then why should I devote my time? Um, because I'm paying for it while you get millions and more and you don't even have the courtesy to you know be fully in there but hey that's um part of the game too and i guess it's also part of fun at times but again when something drastic like this pandemic happens i think it makes you question um certain things a little more and gives you obviously more time to reflect so yeah i nevertheless expect a rocking full house but I also expect it would take some time um, to get back to its best self. And who knows, sometimes new beginnings also open inroads to new and better improved things. Maybe it will also have been a good moment to reflect on, I don't know, some of the songs that have been singing, some of the um, yeah, traditions and, and, and approaches to organizing fans and so on. And... Um, who knows? We might even come out better than before. Okay, before we get into uh, the weekend game, just maybe a quick look around um, Yeah, some of the updates that was happening. Obviously, World Cup qualifiers going on. Not too many um, surprises there. Well, the U.S. lost itself into the World Cup, which, um, yeah... I guess let's uh, look at glass half full and say congratulations for being at uh, the World Cup in Qatar. Um, I'm personally still a little on the fence of what to make of this World Cup in the winter time in a very odd destination that doesn't really seem to have a lot of uh, roots in soccer. And um, yeah, but again, congrats. It's obviously the biggest uh, competition in the world. And um it's important for the guys to get that exposure because let's be real, this is a warm up for the 2026 World Cup in the US. And um, these players, they need to get their feet wet this generation at the very minimum, at the very highest level. So they can prepare themselves a little bit for what's to come in four years, which I think will be a gigantic World Cup in every sense of the world. Um, maybe on other note, shout out to Ghana for qualifying. And why am I pointing out Ghana? Well, a certain Otto Addo um, was at the helm of Ghana and leading to the World Cup. And yeah, um, that's a big shout out for the Dortmund A's, former player and nowadays on our coaching staff. And um, I hope we will see him back. Uh, Marco Rose said so in the presser that he's expecting Otto Otto back. I'm a little more... Um, well, actually, I'm a little less um, certain that he's coming back considering that he just qualified uh, for the World Cup with 
Ghana as the head coach. And I'm pretty certain usually when you, you know, do something like that, which is a major milestone for most uh, nations, soccer nations around the world, that you would want to see it through. And um, that the Ghanaian FA is probably also working their magic to convince, uh, you know, the successful coach would apparently hit the right notes with the players to stick around. So let's see how that pans out. I hope he comes back. Um, maybe there's some sort of compromise to be found where he'll be leaving for preparation. But to be fair, like, honestly, if, if you do a World Cup, that you can't do that part-time. You would have to scout the opposition, prepare your players, scout your own players, see out of the uh, pool who is available, who has the best sort of like synergies. And um, yeah, that seems like something you would want to devote all of your time to, which would mean that his current role of being sort of the glue guy in between uh, the young pro players and the first team would be vacant for a time being. And um, so if you don't know, Otto Otto is kind of like a special counsel basically to our young top talent so he's not necessarily like a youth coach but he's there for guys like uh Mukoko, right who's like 16 17 um still a young boy maybe some of them even still living in some of the uh, uh academy housing but they're much closer than their peers to the first team maybe even already uh being in the squad having been capped and you know just helping them to find their footing or keep it um, amidst the craziness that is professional soccer and, you know, just be a mentor, a guide, uh, help them out. And I think um, it's very, very important to have sort of like this person that can kind of like mediate between those worlds. And um, that's why I want him back. And I think also he's a great guy. So there's that. Um, anything else Dortmund related that we can quickly touch on? Oh, uh, Yeah. Akanji seems to be out. I, I don't. I mean, that's not really news, but just every week, um, more and more people chime in and just say that this is not going to happen. Um, but I also read today that Dortmund is maybe icing contract negotiations uh, um, with Dan Axel Zagadou, which I can honestly understand. Um, in the time he's been with Dortmund, he's been mostly injured. And when he wasn't injured, he has produced uh, a real-worthy series of gaffes and brain farts um, that has cost Borussia Dortmund some major games. Um, the Bayern um, gaff, for example, uh, I think even two games there where he gave the ball away. Um, um, her to be a see that penalty so um yeah many things come to mind so i guess if you look at it um over the amount of time and yeah see what resources were put in and what came out then i think it's very hard to offer him a contract that he would probably appreciate and like um i think for dan the most important thing is to play regularly but he hasn't really shown that he, A, can stay fit long enough to do so and, B, produce um, showings on a consistent high level that would warrant him a starting spot. So 
at that point, are we just keeping Guy around because he's a great guy? I mean, he's obviously also a very physical guy um, that brings a different component. But again, the best ability is availability and he isn't showing that. So I can totally understand why Borussia Dortmund would not opt to prolong his contract, which would mean he would be amongst um, many of the others that would see their contract run out, including, for example, um, Axel Witzel. That leaves definitely one spot to be filled or two on the center-back position. And um, I watched Nico Schlotterbeck a little closer over the last two games, the Germany games. Um, and you know what? Seems like he's a perfect fit for Borussia Dortmund because after producing quite a decent game uh, against Israel with some very, very nice um, passes. He really showed some um, some great eye there and, and also skill. Um, some great yeah, desire to push forward and, and, and find um, the offensive players in great positions. He also produced, and you know, that's why here we go again, a nice gaff in the final minute, giving away a penalty to Israel by just blanking. I don't know, he, he got the ball basically in the 16-yard box, and then he stopped it, and he just looked around and looked around. It's 90 plus 2 or whatever, um, you know. In his mind, the game is probably over. He just kind of like wants to kill time, and while well, the Israeli player sneaks up on him and gets the ball away, and by the time he realizes what happens, it's too late, and instead of like hitting the ball away, he steps on him, produces a penalty. Lucky for him, Trump saved the penalty, so I guess the goalie was probably happy to have a chance to show some skill there too, but it was just so typical, <laughs> and I just couldn't help but wonder, like, great, here's another guy that, in theory, is a great defender, shows lots of promise in terms of playing and moving forward, but then apparently doesn't want to defend 90-plus minutes. Well, if that's not a Dortmund defender, then I don't know what is, so... Um, yeah, let's sign him up. No, honestly, I hope this is a warning for him at the right time. You know, in a friendly, that's a lot easier to swallow than in a regular season game or even at the World Cup. So let that be a lesson to him that he hopefully doesn't have to have again if he would come to Borussia Dortmund. But in terms of the skill and the potential... That would actually be quite a decent fit. And with Niklas Süle and Schlotterbeck and, um, I don't know, can we get a Mats Hummels at a reduced rate? That wouldn't be the worst trio in the world to, you know, have as the backbone of the defense. So, let's see. Okay, before we get into the next and final segment... Um, just want to check if you want to get into a healthier lifestyle and if that's the case then maybe you should have a look at athletic greens now what's athletic greens do you ask and it's basically you absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals superfoods probiotics and adaptogenes to start your day right um basically a fresh mix of things that go beyond your i don't know whatever you take maybe protein or creatine or fish oil and you can just reclaim your health 
an immune system with convenient daily nutrition and it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe, that's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. And there you go. And then just a quick disclaimer that these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Sorry, I had to say it. Anyway, go check it out. Okay, so we got Leipzig coming up again. And avid listeners of this show will know by now that I am not the greatest RB Leipzig fan. Why, what, and how? You can all find that out in episode 7. It's called Criticism of RB Leipzig. And I devoted an entire episode at debunking some of the myths around Leipzig, you know, just providing some color and context into some of the claims that Leipzig has around, you know, their um, USP and some of the issues that a lot of people have been taking with Leipzig, apparently cutting corners or not Leipzig, but Red Bull, the brand. Um, And then there's obviously the whole aspect of this is basically a marketing play. But again, Already touched on this in depth in episode seven. So just go into you know uh, your directory at Apple, at Spotify, wherever you're listening, and look for that episode seven, and then um, you can find everything on that there. Since I already said everything there is to say about Leipzig, I'd rather shed some light on another cautious tale of investors gone rogue because. It's um, just another timely reminder why this foreign influx of money, uh, investment, whether it's a corporation or a sugar daddy, and in the case of Leipzig, it's kind of both, is tricky just because it has this sort of personal ambition or um, not even necessarily personal ambition, but just the purpose of the club which usually is to win games and you know be yeah a club a focal fixed point of a community being sort of like perverted into yeah a personal toy or a marketing tool that that's not really in the best interest of soccer contrary to many opinions that say without investors and monies and this and that you cannot um, survive and Why that may be true, that still doesn't mean you should do it with any investor or with any money or without a plan. And um, yeah, the most recent case of investments gone wrong, we have in Munich. Again in Munich, I don't know what is in the water over there. 1860 Munich, um, if you follow the German, uh, German soccer closely, you may know that there was a um, Jordanian investor that, um, yeah, basically has seen some turbulent times with 1860 Munich, which used to be the number one club in Munich before Bavaria. That they were founding member of the Bundesliga, unlike Bayern Munich. So, um, yeah, something's up in Munich. And Turgutu München. 
declared bankruptcy and pulled out of the German third division, which is the lowest pro league in Germany. Uh, it's run by the DFB, the German FA, not the DFL, which organizes the first and second Bundesliga. So, but it's still, again, a pro division, um, not amateur status. So, you know, it's a little different than pulling out your Sunday league team in your office league. So, um, up until 2016, Turgutu was just a regular club, an immigrant club, um, founded. I think they were actually refounded in 2001, but their roots go back a little deeper, like into the 70s. Um, which would make sense because that was around the time when uh, most of the so-called guest workers, that's what they called them in Germany, the guest workers, millions came from Turkey, from Italy, from all over the place because Germany, after the Second World War, needed men, needed hands to help fuel its economy and keep it humming in the 60s and 70s when the country was rebuilding after two devastating world wars. But, of course, immigrants were necessarily considered um, a high priority and they sort of were pushed into parallel societies. As the name already sort of suggests, guest workers, the idea was they would come work in Germany for X years, 10, 20, what have you, and then go back to wherever they came from, you know, had an opportunity to send some money home. But in the meantime, wouldn't really do much in Germany, but, but sleep, eat, work. And um, yeah, there wasn't really any offerings from the state or federal level to uh, integrate them into society, offer language courses. All the industry was interested in that they were showing up to work and putting together the cars or what have you. And the rest, they didn't really care about the social cultural context and impact that they would have was grossly underestimated, of course. Immigrant rights, a super popular topic all over the world. But anyway, I'm drifting off a little bit. So basically, in around that time, in the 60s and 70s, um, this club was founded. And then, you know, again, just a regular club that probably struggled around in the very low divisions of amateur soccer in around Munich. Got refounded in 2001 and then stayed in these low divisions until an investor came. Hassan Kiran, um, he was also a first-generation immigrant. I think he immigrated to uh, Germany when, with his family, supposedly, when he was a kid. And he came, and he did investor things. You know, he gathered money. He provided a nice narrative for the club. They wanted to be the third power Munich behind Bayern Munich and TS4 1860 Munich. And, of course, no less than at least second division, which is... Yeah, quite a big division, uh, considering pre-pandemic levels. The you know uh, average attendance in Germany's second division is the highest, I think, amongst any second division in uh, world soccer. And I think it's still in the top 10, actually, out of all soccer leagues in the world. So the highest average attendance uh, in general in soccer is Germany's first division. And then, you know, comes whatever England, Spain... Da, 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 da. France, MLS, whatever you... But then there's uh, the second Bundesliga right there. So, and even more so today with some of those big-name clubs in the second division, Hamburg, Bremen, Schalke, Nuremberg, Dusseldorf, but also some of the big East German clubs like Dresden, etc. It's actually quite an intriguing league. So anyway, um, he comes, 
2016, I think, he starts putting money in the club and um, he gets the money from the immigrant community, right? So he pedals to this whole, hey, you know, we have to stick together and, you know, use this network, um, assuming he probably has a great network with the um, Turkish and migrant community, um, you know, that is now second and third generation and has built some wealth within Munich. And they, you know, they want to be probably represented or um, spoken to. And I'm sure um, he was able to do it in, in a way that was much more appealing and, you know, closer to their hearts than, I don't know, Tales of 1860 Munich could. I don't know if they did, but even if they tried, they would probably fall short because, yes, they couldn't spin this new nice narrative. So anyway, with more money um, in the lower division, there comes more success. So he quickly brings the club from the sixth division to the third division, from the amateurs to the pro. Again, third division in Germany, Dritte Liga, that's the first pro division. And um, then he simply runs into the same issue that all of these smart investors run into. Success isn't a straight ascent and you cannot plan it. You cannot draw soccer success up on a board. It's not scalable. Just look at PSG. Look at Manchester City. Look at Leipzig. All these clubs, they spent so much money, hundreds of millions of dollars did Leipzig spend or do they spend? For what? One Champions League semifinal. I think that's the best that the, out of all of that Leipzig, RB, sorry, soccer empire. Clubs all around the world. It's like, what, six clubs now? The academy, all the scouting. I mean, they're, in addition to what RB Leipzig is actually spending, which is also a couple hundred millions, um, that whole system, which feeds into that club because that is the highest club in the packing order of the RBE soccer empire that's another if not 100 million then at least tens of millions of dollars that gets invested there every year i mean obviously the mls club then the one in austria i think there's one in in, in south america and so on and so forth that all costs money too and so again they pour it all in there and um yeah unless you consider the Austrian league to be a major success, then there's really only one semifinal appearance to show for. And PSG and, and Man City, even more so, they spend billions, billions of dollars to win the Champions League, the most coveted prize in club soccer, and have yet failed to do so. And PSG obviously finding every year more spectacular ways to fail at it, just showing that it is not a board game where you can simply amass the most resources and then you will inevitably gain that success. So on a much smaller scale, it kind of happens like that to Turguchu in the third division as well, because the third league is a super tough, highly competitive league. You also play there against big clubs like Kaiserslautern, multiple uh, German champion. I think they won European Cups. Um, one of the biggest clubs really in Germany, but also like Braunschweig, 
äh, Saarbrücken, Founding Member of the Bundesliga, ähm, Magdeburg, also a big club äh, from East Germany. So, there's lots of teams in there, obviously Dortmund's second team um, as well, the under-23 team, um, that make it really, really tough. And what makes it even tougher is that it's a very low revenue league in comparison. So you have to invest a lot. You're not getting out a lot. The gap between third and second division is relatively big. So for most, it's kind of a loss-sum game. So I guess at this point, he starts to realize, hmm, this third division pushing Turgochu to second division thing is kind of a black hole. And maybe I am not smarter than everybody else, as I thought. Maybe they all struggle for a reason around here. And I think, in fact, it's pretty clear that he's not that smart or whoever makes the decision there because they start doing not smart things. When in the first year in the third division, the after a decent start, the promotion starts to become questionable they start to throw good money after bad money and signing lots and lots of more players. They completely revamped the squad from 4th to 3rd division anyway. But then by winter, some of the key signings have already left again. They sign on more because they're afraid and scared that they won't make it to um, direct promotion that year again. And it just becomes sort of like a revolving door. And the promotion is hanging by a thread. Oh, surprise, surprise. Having people, players come in and out of the club and just create, having no consistency is not helpful to sporting uh, success. So, and then in the midst of all of that, in uh, 2021, oh no, actually, sorry, in 2020, I think in December, the investor also saying he wants to sell his shares. Now, that's not necessarily a vote of confidence in my book. And um, if anything, it's really a value-deflating move. Like, if your project is as great as you're saying, then why are you selling your shares? Makes no sense. So, of course, I guess he comes to the same conclusion and doesn't get any uh, potential bids. So he pulls back, says, no, he's going to stick, um, you know, stick it out, stay the course. Turgutu for the win, yada, yada, yada. So they go another year, which is this season, and surprise, surprise, they eventually flame out. When the team's in last place and the relegation is all but certain, Kivran stops the bleeding and declares bankruptcy in the middle of the season. Pulls out the last good bits he had and leaves the rest to die on the floor. All that ambition, all that purpose, all that community building, gone. Now you can wonder, like, how could this happen? Why didn't anyone look closer? Aren't there, like, regulations they have to fulfill? Well, they do. But the papers that they handed in at the beginning of the season and, you know, in terms of wages they were paying and personal, basically got completely overthrown again by the middle of the season because they kept on trying to buy new players to buy short-term success, which is never a good strategy or tactic. Uh, in that case, it's more a short-term solution. And yes, people were maybe a little afraid. Like media folks, 
I think, turned a blind eye a little bit towards it because because of the shame. Because of the shame of the racist vitriol that Turguchu Munich faced in the beginning um, and throughout um, from right-wing elements and, and politics and, and, and soccer um, who said they didn't want... Uh, a Turkish team that clearly a Turkish team they have the the Turkish uh, half moon and the crest and obviously Turgucu uh, is a Turkish uh, um, word which means I think like basically it's basically sort of like Turkish power Munich something like that and um, there were some very ugly moments uh, when the team played away and also in Munich um, and I think again it made um, some of the sports media a little less critical towards the club because they felt guilty for those racist elements in, in, in German society that were gunning for the team. And I mean, just think, think, think a New York football team would have like an Arabic name or something like that. I mean, people, some people here would go apeshit. Yeah, just instead of the, um, I don't know, the New York Giants would be like, El uh, Quad to New York, yeah, something like that. Um, it wouldn't go down easy. I mean, you can just see certain elements in the media go ape crazy here as well. And um, on the other hand, people also just always like a good story, right? Nice narrative. Mm, immigrant club, you know, pulls itself together, pulls the community together, talks about this, um, yeah sort of like globalized vision of people from all nations come together here, yada, yada, yada. And it sounds nice and, you know, it's it's a new story and some fresh blood. So why not run with it? It's not my money, right? What's the damage? Well, the damage is the sporting integrity. Because now, after the club finally declared bankruptcy, the people, the players, they're not going to get paid, right? I mean, the people that work there, they're out of a job. And the teams they played against, well, they put in that effort for nothing because the um, German FA deleted all points, deleted all scores, deleted all results uh, from the table. So now a team like Saarbrücken, as again, who was a founding member of the Bundesliga in 1963 and has clearly fallen on some hard times, lost six points because they beat him already twice in the season and they dropped out of the promotion area um, and are now trying to play catch up and to be fair I think it is the most fair approach to just cancel everything out but in the end since soccer or sports in general the whole point of it is playing these games and the big or best teams not always winning um, in accordance to uh, their payroll or whatever that's the whole point of sport right otherwise we could just um look at roster strength and and, and payroll and then just determine the champions from there so that element um has been lost for the season it's very very embarrassing for the league i think because that shouldn't happen in a serious uh pro league um it's disappointing for the clubs for the club itself i think for the people that um, believed in the investor and poured in their heart and time and I'm sure there was also a lot of people that volunteered a lot of things and time because they believed in the vision and are now um, left empty-handed um, it's tough for the other clubs that played them as I said 
um, that have now kind of like a tainted season to look upon. And, you know, some clubs will profit and some clubs will um, not. And they will probably ask themselves, what if? And it just makes it very clear to me that, again, personal ambition, they need to be curtailed with a strong regulatory framework of those governing soccer bodies. And investors such as these, or as happened in Malaga, also again in 1860 Munich, but but even Leipzig's rule bending, shoot, the World Cup bid for Qatar, it just shows there's still much to do in global soccer. Thank you for tuning in to Believe in Borussia. Again, if you want to know more about Leipzig, go back, check out episode 7. And if you want to know more about the club, there are plenty of episodes where we touch on historic figures, uh, historic backgrounds, and so on and so forth. Enjoy this weekend's game. Hopefully, we will see a convincing W in front of a home capacity crowd. Enjoy some of that black and yellow fervor. Turn up your TV, turn up your radio wherever you follow the game. Give us a rating or subscribe to our channels if you like this content. And until next time, a black and yellow shout out across America. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 